Newshour helps you understand a complex world. Stay informed with Newshour from the BBC. Weekday mornings at 9 on Radio Catskill. Good evening and welcome to Radio Catskill's local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Coming up, the New York State Comptroller evaluated Sullivan County's fiscal status. The county just got the results. How did it do? Well, we'll find out when I talk to Sullivan County Treasurer Nancy Buck on our Monday check-in with county government. We also have news from the Sullivan County Democrat. Patricio Robayo gets the latest from editor Derek Kirk on our weekly news roundup. Plus, inside Angola's prison rodeo, Valerie Mancy talks to the photographer Chris Heim about his new exhibit at Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. But to get us all started, uh, we do have news from Albany on the continuing influx of migrants to New York State. And the latest, Governor Kathy Hochul is calling in the National Guard. Hochul says 150 additional National Guard members will be deployed to assist with New York State's migrant crisis helping to process work permits for Venezuelan asylum seekers who recently were granted the right to apply for jobs in the next 30 days. Senior Albany correspondent Karen DeWitt has more. A few days ago, President Joe Biden authorized temporary protected status for Venezuelan migrants who entered the U.S. before July 31st. That gives them the right to apply for jobs and obtain work in as soon as a month. Governor Hochul says the additional 150 National Guard troops, which brings the total number deployed to 2,200, will focus on helping the asylum seekers complete the necessary paperwork so that they can get employed and out of overcrowded temporary shelters. You'll be helping them get a job, helping them support themselves, helping them leave these shelters, because I believe they did not come all these thousands of miles to live in a shelter with hundreds, if not thousands, of others. Hochul says the state is investing an additional $50 million to help the migrants with the paperwork. And she says it's much easier than the more onerous process of applying for asylum status. That requires numerous documents and filling out complex forms. She says the new form asks just a few key questions. I literally went on to the app myself and clicked it on to see how hard it would be. Are you from Venezuela? Did you come before July 31st? A couple more questions. And then the next step after you put that application, and it is literally online in minutes, the next step is is that you're now automatically qualified for work authorization. The work permit form is then delivered to them in 30 days. Many of the state's industries, including farming, health care, and food service, are experiencing worker shortages. Hochul says she hopes the Venezuelan migrants can help mitigate that. Jackie Bray, the commissioner of the New York State Division of Homeland Security, predicts that many thousands of migrants will get jobs, but she says she can't say for sure yet how many. There is not a single database at this time that the city and the state can access, but there is robust information sharing about what they're seeing at the front door and how many people are moving on so that we can adjust our resources and make sure that we're targeting appropriately. Hochul had been asking the Biden administration for months to grant the temporary work permits for the Venezuelans. She says she'd now like to see all asylum seekers become eligible to work within 30 days, saying it would be a huge salvation. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And thanks to Karen DeWitt and New York Public News Network for that report. 
Well, every Monday here on the local edition, we check in Sullivan County Democrat to see what's making news and get the latest. Patricio Robayo spoke with editor Derek Kirk of the Democrat earlier today for our weekly news roundup. Derek starts off with news about the defamation lawsuit where Sullivan County Legislature Chair Robert Doherty had defamed his predecessor, County Legislator Louise Alvarez, when he publicly claimed that Mr. Alvarez had used a sexual slur against a female county commissioner, and he further claimed that this allegation was founded. So in the next update on that development, uh, the jury found that uh, Alvarez's verdict finds uh, Doherty guilty of defamation. Um, and the six-member jury uh, unanimously decided that the Sullivan County Legislature Chair uh, Robert Doherty had defamed the pre- his predecessor, County Legislator Louis Alvarez. Um, more can be found on that story and the, the reactions of both uh, legislators, as well as a number of other uh, legislators who sit on the nine-board, nine-member board uh, governing the county. So more can be found on that on the front page of t- uh, Tuesday's Sullivan County Democrat. Yeah, you know, this is right on the heels of the election coming up. And it's, you know, only time will tell to see how this will affect the election coming up. And it's between the legislature, Louis Alvarez, and the chairman of the legislature, Rob Doherty. You have another story that we've been following also is the involves Sullivan 180 and this healthier generation. And I know they got all the schools together and did sort of like a healthy challenge. Each one that did a sort of healthy activity, it challenged each other in the districts. And I believe there was a award ceremony recently at Bethel Woods. Uh, what can you tell us about this and um, and all the things that were involved? So Sullivan 180 is uh, giving out grants to a number of school districts um, with the highest being to Sullivan West with $75,000. Um, and a number of other uh, higher award winnings to other uh, local public schools um, that go towards uh, empowering the healthier generation. Um, so more of that story can be found on the front page of Tuesday's edition as well. That's great that the schools were coming together for this and for a good cause because I said we're low on the health rankings uh, when it comes to overall health for the county. And uh, I know the Sub-180 has been making great strides in getting the schools and students uh, active and in, in making healthy choices for uh, all the districts. So thank you so much for that story. And moving on here, you have uh, something that's been um, been making the rounds on, on social media and also has been brought up at the previous legislature meetings about the opioid settlement monies. What can you tell us about this and exactly where the monies are going? So the Sullivan County Legislature uh, had now since approved their uh, spending plan for the opioid settlement money that has been uh, sitting and waiting for use. Um, a number of uh, uh, community watchers had noted that uh, some of the monies had been sitting um, in, uh, in dormant waiting to be used um, and now have just recently uh, been uh, set to apply to a number of different organizations um, that work throughout the county and surrounding areas that um, push for uh, a healthier um, opioid-free uh, county. Um, a number of those, uh, a number of those organizations have received uh, numerous of thousands of dollars uh, to help uh, get the county on track um, and to use the monies as appropriately uh, mentioned um, to uh, fight off the opioid epidemic that we face in the county. Right. And the, the amount of that settlement, I believe, is $1.4 million. And, uh, it will be, some money will be allocated to the County Drug Task Force 
and also including support for uh, treatment, housing, and transportation, and prevention, education, marketing, and other items that will, for like you, just like you just said, help with the the fight against the opioid epidemic that's going on in Sullivan County. So. Thank you so much, uh, Derek, for those stories and for letting us know what's happening on the pages of the Sullivan County Democrat, where you can find on newsstands starting on Tuesday, or you can visit their website at scdemocratonline.com. Derek, until next week, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Rabayo. Thank you, Patricio, and thank you, Derek. I'm going to take a quick break, and we come back, we have more for you, including a check-in with Sullivan County Treasurer. Nancy Buck. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Radio Catskill's annual music sale is November 25th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We are accepting donations of records, CDs, used stereo components, video games, and instruments. What we need the most right now is high-quality vinyl from popular genres. So if you're a collector who's looking to downsize, let us know. Email feedback at wjffradio.org. And come to the music sale at its new location, the Liberty Mall, 15 Sullivan Avenue in Liberty. Welcome back to the local edition, news and information, keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole, and this is Monday here on the local edition and everywhere today. It's still Monday. Uh, and that's when we check in with Sullivan County, get an update from Sullivan County government, check in with different divisions in the government, get the latest news. And today we're going to be taking a look at the county finances because the New York State Comptroller's Office recently came out with a report about the fiscal stress of the county and uh, who better to talk about the county finances than Nancy Buck, Sullivan County Treasurer, who's on the phone with us now to talk about this news and more. Hello, Nancy. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be on this and, and give the great news what's going on in our finances in Sullivan County. So um, as I understand it, the county uh, got a stress-free designation in this ranking uh, for six consecutive years. Um, I guess maybe could you talk about what what does this mean and then what did we get this year now that it's out? Yes. So the comptroller's office around 2014 started uh, with different categories, looking at counties and other municipalities, some villages and towns, and to see where did they rate. They used different ways to formulate it by year-end fund balance, operating deficits, cash position, and use of short-term flow debt. And they take, uh, they have different points, and then they look at the data, and then they decide if you get between one, two, three, four, five points, and then it adds up as an accumulation. And as long as you're under a certain amount, you get what's called no designation, which is the best that you could possibly get. So um, no designation is a zero to 44.9 points. And then there's moderate fiscal stress, significant uh, uh, fiscal stress. But I can tell you from 2016 forward that Sullivan County has gotten no designation. The scores in the earlier years were a little bit higher, like 36.7 or 30. 
But I can tell you that I am so proud of the county and where we're at right now that we got a 3.3 score, which is almost unheard of. That's almost like a perfect score. So in the comptroller's eyes and in my eyes, the county is doing so well fiscally, financially. When this report comes out, do you get to see how other counties are doing? They eventually will put it out so that you can see them all, but right now they're, they just sent this to me on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they only sent me solving counties. Right. So you, you can tell from your experience and what, what these numbers are measuring that this is really good. It's like, then, you, you know, you want to get, I, I want to get competitive. I want to see how, okay, if we're doing that good, then where, where are we compared to some other counties? Which I'm sure when you find that out, if there's something to crow about, we'll hear about that. Oh, I'm sure that you will. <laughs> Dan Hoos is a wonderful um, help, uh, person for Solomon County. He gets the news out for us. And some of the reasons that we had such a minor deficit um, on why the number is so low this year is because it's, we've really been very financial, fiscally responsible financially. Um, we paid off all our short-term debt, and we've been paying down long-term debt. And because our sales tax has been uh, very good lately, um, and, and quickly I want to mention that we realize that the sales tax is doing well, and we also know that that could turn around in an instant and be going the opposite way at any time. Um, not that it would go on large deficits, but it could happen. Meaning but that there's some even, variables the county has control over and some that you know that you don't necessarily. Well, with sales tax, exactly, we don't have any control over that. You, you know, um, it's been very lucrative because people have been doing a lot of buying from home still. You know, we don't have the retail here like Orange County, so we don't have the sales tax like they have. But when you buy something from your house and it's delivered to your house, Sullivan County gets that sales tax that way. So it's been very good. Oh, so this this but this overall shift of of commerce that we're living through right now with more people purchasing online that that could be contributing uh, to these trends at the county level in terms of uh, at least that it, one uh, criterion. It absolutely is the criteria for the last three years, for especially during COVID, and that's where our numbers are up because of it. Uh, nobody can actually see what where the sales tax is coming from, but I can get a report and I can tell you that the report that I've received is, it is retail and then and online shopping mainly, but it's both. And then it's also been new cars or card cars, not necessarily new, but car sales. And if you remember during COVID, it was very hard to get a car. Yeah. You know, there were long time waits to even get one. And then they were adding extra money to it, you know, from sticker price just to be, it was crazy. But now there's cars out there you can buy again. And, you know, the people that needed them, it's really helped a lot. You know, this is where I just want to pause and just reiterate something for the listener. If somebody's just coming in in the middle of this or, or didn't quite get this from the beginning, I mean, we're talking to, uh, we're, we're, we're talking to the, the county treasurer for Sullivan County, Nancy Buck. We're talking about the fiscal health of the county in terms of, of the county's income, the county's budget, the county's management. We're not talking about the incomes of individuals living within the county. Um, but that said, how does the, this type of positive report and, and this, uh, 
fiscal responsibility that the report reflects. What does that mean for individuals living in the county? How does that that benefit uh, regular folks? Well, when the county is flourishing, then we can have jobs in the county government. uh, And that right there is one of the biggest ways. And we do have a lot of openings, in fact. And we encourage people to to come to Sullivan County uh, and, and work with us. I mean, the benefits are a great benefit group. And I don't think that the young people today realize that, the you know, they're not thinking of retirement, but the county has a great retirement system and great health benefits. And those are things that when you're young, you're not always thinking about. But if you can get into the county early, it, it's, a, it's a smart move. So, um, again, the county has been given this no designation, and that that's considered like like kind of the best um, outcome. Uh, you know, I I I think you mentioned uh, before we got on air here that there's another report that goes along with this, the annual comprehensive report. What what is yeah. that? What does it say, and how does that um, even connect with what we've been talking about? Well, it, it used to be called a CAFR. So anyone that watches and listens, and they've heard me get up and speak about the CAFR for many years, they changed the name to ACFR, which stands for Annual Comprehensive Finance Report. And for 2022, and that's the same year that we're doing for this no designation with the fiscal score, we have 34 years of getting excellence in accounting, and that is huge. And even this no designation for the fiscal Scores is great because it helps us with bond agencies. We've been very fortunate. This is where it's coming back to how is it helping us to keep our taxes down is because we're not borrowing money right now. They're figuring out with what we have how to to continue with the roads, the infrastructure, and everything else that we need without borrowing money. When I first started, we were borrowing money every year, and and we would do short-term and long-term bonds. And I I can tell you that, again, that is why one of the reasons why our designation is so low and why we're doing so well with our finance reporting. Wow. And and who who is doing this, this, this analysis? Is this a state-level comptroller's office again? Yes. The, the New York State Comptroller does both the fit- they do the fiscal scoring, and then there's a organization, GFOA, which is Governor Finance Officers Association. That's how who rates us for the annual comp- comprehensive finance report. So we're getting it from two different areas, excellence in accounting. All right. Well, I, I want to say congrats uh, again on this positive report, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners um, that, that we didn't get to yet? Um, no, I just would like to let them really understand that the county is moving in a positive way. The finances are strong. Um, we have good people that work in this county that help keep everybody from, you know, not overspending. You know, we have our budget department that does a wonderful job with the budget, the county manager, um, audit, purchasing. You know, we all work as a group, as a team, and and the legislators of you know what they don't what they approve and don't approve it 
we're all working together, and it helps out this whole county by us all being able to communicate and work together. And before we go, just, you know, while we're taking a look at things in a big county perspective and, and the, there's the work that you do at the county uh, in the treasurer's office, the, this is a big local election year. Every uh, legislative seat is, is essentially on the ballot, though a couple of them aren't uh, contested in Sullivan County. And I'm just wondering if, if, if you had any take on the election or if this is in any way a stressful time for you or what what does this mean for you and in your position whether you want to talk about individual candidates and what's on the ballot uh, or not well as far as the stress i work with whoever's in office so if we have the same same group as we've had in the past, or if we end up, we will end up with some new people. You know, there are a couple positions that the um, candidates that are currently here aren't running. But, but, you know, again, you have to learn to work as a team, work together. I'm not under any stress. I, I feel uh, for the people that are running, I have had to run in the past. I'm on my last term right now. But it's not going to personally affect me, um, and as far as the effect on the county, again, with all the good people that we have that work here, we can help them, whoever's in office, move forward and understand the finances of the county. Sullivan County Treasurer Nancy Buck, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and congratulations again on the good reports. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great night. And remember, every Monday we check in with Sullivan County government. And every Friday, uh, Sullivan County Communications Director Dan Hoost uh, joins us live on Radio Chatskill, which you can hear Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. here on Radio Catskill. And finally, tonight, the latest exhibit at the DVAA, the Angola Prison Rodeo, was staged at Louisiana State Penitentiary in the longest-running prison rodeo in the United States. It began in 1965 First two rodeos were not open to the public, but starting in 1967, a limited number of tickets were offered to the general public. And today, more than 10,000 people attend the rodeo. Chris Heim documents the Angola prison and their rodeo day with the farm inside Angola's prison rodeo. And that's his photo exhibit at the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance in Narrowsburg. It just opened this past weekend, offering a rare look at life behind the prison walls. Radio Catskills' Valerie Mancy spoke to Chris Heim about the exhibit. How did you embark on this project? Well, a friend of mine at the time were working towards doing a project on the blues, and we were down in the area, and we just we weren't making enough traction for how much time we had, so we started researching other things in the area. Very randomly, because of where we were, about 40 minutes from where we were, we found this prison, Angola, that had a rodeo that happened to be taking place three days later. So frantically, we start trying to contact the prison, not getting a lot of headway. Finally, one lovely person says, if you really want to try and do this, here's the warden's number, and gives it to us. And basically says, like, good luck. Uh, so we have no hope, thinking it's going to work out. We call this person, kind of gives us the same deal, says if you'd like to come, show up on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. and talk to the people at the gate. So it's still at this point we have no... 100% guarantee we're going to get in. Um, so we make this big drive to get there, show up in the morning at 6. All these people are loaded in. We find a very nice person at the gate who assigns both of us a guard 
and really tells us we have to have our own game plan of what we want to do that day. Mm-hmm. I was struck walking in by a gentleman who's handing out these shirts that are black and white striped shirts. And I realized he's handing them out to this long line of gentlemen. And it's dawning on me more and more that none of these people have ever really been in a rodeo before. This is an opportunity to get out of their cell, to get out and see their family. So it's hitting me pretty hard, and I end up kind of staying there for a little bit. And I take a picture of the guy hanging shirts out, talk to them for a little bit. And I just kind of stay there, and I'm taking pictures of each person coming out getting their shirt. And there's like a level of excitement and a little bit of happiness in them and in their eyes. And it was just such a good feeling. Um, such a different feeling than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be this really intense, uh, almost like going to shoot, you know, like boxing or something or a big event, like sporting event. I thought it was going to be much more about that. It ended up being much more of a, it was like a magical day straight up. I don't know how else to put it. Magical how? It just really knocked me off my feet. There was just, everywhere I looked, there was something going on. And every it was very exciting. Like all the families came to the stands once the radio started. Like the entire community was there. It was super supportive. Everyone was getting along. It was just something that it didn't look like a prison. It didn't It didn't feel like a prison. It's called the farm for, I guess, that reason, and it kind of felt like a farm. I never really understood it, but for once, I, I actually felt maybe why it's called that, outside of the fact that it's self-sustaining, growing its own food and all that. It, it actually felt like a farm. It was a happy place. A happy place. As happy as, as, happy as it could be for what it was. You know what for I mean? that day. Yeah, there's nothing happy about the prison system, but there was, there was a happy moment. I think that's what made it such a magical day. And I didn't want to leave. I didn't want, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to end. And how long has the rodeo been going on? It's because I know it's, it's a big event each year. Yeah, I actually think they do it twice a year now, um, but I believe it's been going on for, I want to say, about 20 years. Yeah, I, I think I saw okay, 1965. What I found interesting was that they follow the, the rules and regulations of the professional rodeo organization. These folks are not experienced. Do you have any insight into how that works? I had heard it was more of like a lottery. It's, it's like you have an opportunity to get on a list to participate if you are eligible to do so. You get to pick a number of duties. I think you can work the rodeo, and I also think you can pick the rest. Um, and I know that they get paid a certain amount. I just don't know how much it is. I know it's very little. So I think, if anything, it's an opportunity to go try it, I guess. I don't know. And I know most of them have never done it, especially a lot of the, the gentlemen that day that I was there. Literally none of them had ridden a bull before. That, that has okay. to be a little frightening. More than frightening. I can't even imagine. Just even watching it, I can't imagine. From what I read, they do get prizes. And aside from the bronco and bull riding, they have something called convicts poker and guts and glory. It's hard to absorb. It is. It has, there's a little bit of, for me, it had a little bit of like a carnival feel to it. Um, But again, there's definitely a show element. And there were some moments that were almost kind of comical. But again, there's bulls running around in the middle of it. Was anybody hurt? The only person I saw get questionably hurt was the first person that came out on the bull. The bull raised up and dropped down, and the person came back down and just kind of passed out. So they ran in, picked the gentleman up. He didn't get taken away or anything. I saw he was still like sitting in a chair a few hours later. They sell arts and crafts that the prisoners make. They do. There's actually like a, a gift shop when you enter. Well, it's such um, a, a different slant on if only for a day on. Everything that I've ever read about Angola is horrifying. Right. 
and I'm sure everything you've read probably has some truth to it. So it, again, it's like one of those things that, you know, I know this wouldn't work every day, but it's just one of those little glimmers, you know, it just for a day, it was really, 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 really nice to see it. And uh, were you able to photograph the action as it was taking place? Did you have free range? Uh, I was not able to get in the ring itself. Good. Uh, That's good. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, even though I kind of wanted to, but um, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. Uh, however, I, I was able to get a decent amount of the action from the stands, and um, and I was allowed to walk around in all the prep areas where all the animals were and all Got a very, very nice catalog. I'm sure our listeners will be interested in seeing your works about the Angola Prison Rodeo, which is on exhibit from September 23rd to November 5th at the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. And I wish you uh, luck in the future with your photography career. Thank you so much, Valerie. I really appreciate it. And thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Of course. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Valerie Mancy, for that report. And thank you for listening. That's going to do it for the local edition tonight. Got the Laura Flanders show coming up at 7. At 7.30, uh, Sabrina Artel reports on the climate protest in Narrowsburg. Uh, but first, we have the Daily. This is Radio Catskill. Support comes from the Narrowsburg Union and Catskills Curated, presenting products of regional artists, artisans, makers, and craftsmen. Gift wrapping and shipping available on site. NarrowsburgUnion.com Tavern on Main, a neighborhood bar and restaurant on Main Street in Jeffersonville, New York, featuring local American fare, specialty cocktails, craft beers, and Sunday brunch. Menu and hours online at TavernOnMainNY.com and from listeners like you who donate at WJFFradio.org. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Public Radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Radio Catskill.